Let's turn now to Hosea again. Hosea chapter 11. We considered verse 4, A, as our text preparatory evening last Wednesday, and this morning we want to look at the remainder of verse 4. When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called my son out of Egypt. As they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed unto Balaam and burned incense to graven images. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms, but they knew not that I healed them. I drew them with cords of a man, with bands of love, and I was to them as they that take off the yoke on their jaws, and I laid meat unto them. He shall not return into the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian shall be his king, because they refuse to return. And the sword shall abide on his cities, and shall consume his branches and devour them, because of their own counsels. And my people are bent to backsliding from me. Though they called them to the Most High, none at all would exalt him. How shall I give thee up, Ephraim? How shall I deliver thee, Israel? How shall I make thee as Adma? How shall I set thee as Zeboam? Mine heart is turned within me. My repentings are kindled together. I will not execute the fierceness of mine anger. I will not return to destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not man, the Holy One, in the midst of thee, and I will not enter into the city. They shall walk after the Lord. He shall roar like a lion. When he shall roar, then the children shall tremble from the west. They shall tremble as a bird out of Egypt, as a dove out of the land of Assyria, and I will place them in their houses, saith the Lord. Ephraim compasseth me about with lies. And the house of Israel with deceit. But Judah yet ruleth with God and is faithful with the saints. May God bless the reading of his holy word. Hosea 11 verse 4 will be our text. I drew them with cords of a man, with bands of love. And I was to them as they that take off the yoke on their jaws, and I laid meat unto them. So our theme is, as it was Wednesday night, bands of love. And Wednesday night we looked at divine drawing, the first part of the text. I drew them with cords of a man, with bands of love. We saw that that was a A Trinitarian drawing. The Father is involved, the Son is involved, and the Holy Spirit is involved. This morning, in the sermon, I want to look at the second thought, divine rest. 
divine rest. From these words, I was to them as they that take off the yoke on their jaws. And then at the table, I want to look with you at divine nourishment. I laid meat unto them. So this morning then, divine rest and divine nourishment with God's help. So the triune God does everything for His people. He does more than draw them, as we heard last Wednesday. He also leads them, having drawn them, to rest, which is the goal of the Lord's Supper, that you're drawn by His drawing graces, His drawing power, to see beauty in Him, to see your righteousness only in Him. And then you come to rest at the table in Him. I was to them, that is to my people, as they that take off the yoke on their jaws. What does Hosea mean? What does he mean by these words? Well, boys and girls, he's, he's painting a picture for us here. In those days, a farm worker, if he had a plow and had oxen, was called a plowman, a plowman. And a plowman would go out in the field every day with two oxen, a yoke, and a plow. And he would put the yoke around the necks of the oxen and fasten it with a bridle, which would cover the mouth of each ox. Hence the expression about the ox's mouth being muzzled or covered. And then with his left hand, the plowman would hold his plow, and in his right hand, he'd have a goad, a long stick with a point on the end. And uh, with that, as he's plowing, holding that plow with his left hand, he would goad his oxen forward with his right hand. And if the ox would, or the oxen, would kick back and resist his leading them, he would just prick the animals with his goad a bit more till they move forward at the appropriate pace. Now, you need to understand that oxen normally worked very hard. The yoke would rest heavily on their jaws and on their necks. And being a hot climate, laboring in hot conditions, their mouths and their jaws would become quite sore. And so they needed, just like we humans, they needed frequent breaks from their work in these hot conditions. And they needed to rest to keep them from fainting. And a good plowman would know each ox. He would know how often each ox had to rest. He would recognize that. He would would know his oxen so well 
that he would know precisely when it was break time. And then he'd stop plowing. And he'd come in front of his oxen. He'd lift up the yoke temporarily, sitting the yoke on the cheeks of the oxen. So allowing their necks to cool and to relieve the pressure on their jaws. And even though they still could not eat as freely as they desired, they were at least able to eat something. But the main relief was that they would just have some rest. And then at the end of the day, of course, the plowman would take the yoke completely off of his oxen. And then his animals would know that their work was done for the day, and they could rest and they could eat as freely as they desired. That's the picture. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean spiritually? How, God is obviously describing his people in this chapter. And what, what are the parallels here? Well, if I could personify God speaking, I, I would put it this way. The Lord is saying, I, I deal with my people as a good plowman deals with his yoke-bearing oxen. As a good plowman knows the needs of his oxen, sensing how hard and long they can work and when they need rest, and himself desires to give them rest out of his love for his animals, so I deal with my people. Yes, I goad them forward firmly at times, but I also show them my love and faithfulness by allowing them to rest. Now you, now you read the text words again. I am to them, I the Lord, am to my people, as they, that's the plowmen, take off the yoke on their oxen's jaws. What a beautiful picture this is. If you're a child of God, you know what I mean. Sometimes you become weary, weary of the spiritual battles, the earthly battles, you can become exhausted. And if you receive no rest, you, you feel like you can't go on. And yet, you're yoked to the calling of God. You're yoked to your daily work. You're yoked to your family. You're yoked to your work. You're yoked to all the complexities of life. And sometimes you feel like, I can hardly go on. I'm, I'm about ready to faint. There's so many cares, so many needs. So Life is so complex. But there's more than that. For God's people, there can be other burdens and yokes that they encounter under the providential, spiritual leading of their divine plowman, God Himself. There's the yoke of the law. The law is holy and pure and spotless. And when the Holy Spirit puts you in front of that law, you feel the burden, don't you? You feel the weight of your yoke. Your leprosy of sin becomes a heavy yoke when you feel you're under the curse of the law. But then secondly, you can feel the yoke of the guilt of sin. The guilt of sin. You experience in the inner man, if you're a believer, don't you, 
Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. Ezekiel 18.20, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. The guilt, when not relieved, becomes a heavy yoke, dragging a believer down. And then thirdly, the justice of God. When I lack freedom in Christ, God's justice can be a heavy yoke. Justice commands, pay what thou owest, but I've got nothing to pay with. I'm, a, I'm just a lost sinner. Then there's a yoke of my own inability. I, I, I'm not able to break out of my yoke. I'm not able to love God above all, my neighbors, myself, and fulfill the law. I, I, I'm like an Ethiopian. I can no sooner change my skin or like a leopard is spots because I'm accustomed to doing evil. I can't do good. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And then fifth, there's the yoke of myself. I'm my own greatest obstacle. I'm my own greatest enemy. Original sin in me is the source of all these actual sins that spew out of me. And it becomes like a yoke. Oh, to be done with sin. And then Satan. Sixthly, Satan's yoke is heavy. His burden is really unbearable. He's an evil plowman who gives me no rest. Who only wants to lead you to despair. His pricks and his goad are not for my welfare. He goads you by misrepresenting God. By trying to make your case hopeless. By saying there's no room for you at the Lord's table. There's no room for poor sinners. You sin too much. Your guilt is too extensive. You're you're too backsliding. You forget God with too, too many days without number. There's no forgiveness. There's no reconciliation for you. It's impossible for you to be saved. Satan's like a yoke. And then seventh, there's the yoke of your own unbelief. You know you must believe, but you also experience you can't exercise saving faith in your own strength. And you cry out, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. And finally, there's a yoke of lacking assurance of faith. You feel unprepared for the Lord's Supper because you, 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 you think you somehow need a high level of faith instead of understanding what the Bible says that just, just the weary and the heavy laden are invited to come to Him who, who see their only hope in Him even though they know very little, even though they're a little babe in grace. God commands me, says the Heidelberg Catechism, and all believers to partake of this sacred feast. But I lack assurance. I, I, yes, I do love him, but I, I, don't know, I don't know if he loves me or, or whatever it may be. All these heavy yokes, all these heavy yokes can compel hard soul work. And nothing seems to help. Maybe you've Spent the week trying to prepare and you've listened to sermons perhaps, but you didn't get relief and you've prayed and you've read and you've, you've cried out to God for the removal of, of what weighs you down, these heavy yokes, but you, you seem to get no relief. You seem to experience what Jeremiah 20 verse 3 says, the Lord hath called thy name Megar Misabib, which means fear roundabout. Too many fears. I can't go. I can't find spiritual rest. 
for my soul. These yokes weigh me down. They keep my mouth shut. I'm sore. I'm grieved. What shall I do? Well, God is teaching you three or four things through this experience. He's teaching you first that you'll find no real divine rest until these yokes are conquered by God's grace showing you God Himself is the answer to your yokes in Jesus. He's also showing you that He's the divine plowman. And He can remove these yokes easily when you can't remove them yourself. And when you feel so unworthy that they should be removed. But He's also teaching you to cry out, give me Jesus, else I die. Because Jesus is the ultimate divine plowman who meets your every need, gives you rest according to your need. So here's the point of the text. For you babes in grace, for you strugglers, to encourage you. Here's the point of the text. God is saying you are the very kind of person that you are And you are just the kind of person that He delights to save and draw to His table. I, the triune God, shall be to you as the plowman who takes the yoke off of your jaws. I will give you divine rest. I, the divine plowman, will do this. Trust me. Trust me. In my lifetime, I suppose... There's been around a thousand people (laughs) in different congregations where I've served the Lord's Supper who I've seen come to the Lord's Supper for the first time. I only know one or maybe two of that 1,000 who came away from that first coming to the Lord's Supper and said, oh no, I definitely did the wrong thing. This is terrible. This is a burden. And the burden became heavier but hundreds of them, the vast majority, come away from the table when they come for the first time and say, I found some rest. I can't believe I waited so long. can't believe it. Why didn't I do it a long time ago? I was just so afraid. I just had so many yokes. But He is the remover of the yoke. I'm not asking you to come to the Lord's table if you haven't been emptied of yourself, if you haven't seen that your hope is outside yourself in Christ, no, then you're unsaved. But if you have tasted and experienced something of this this yokeness weighing you down of your own sins and you grieve over and you wish that all sin and you were dead and, and you've been stripped of your own righteousness and you know that your only hope is outside of yourself in Christ, don't wait Don't keep yourself in darkness. There's a God who promises, I will lift up the yoke from your jaws. I will give you rest in me. Now, you notice I said in this picture, there's there's two kinds of rest. There's a temporary rest, and the plowman just raises the yoke to the cheeks and There's some eating that goes on. And then there's rest at the end of the day where the yoke is completely taken off. And that too is a got a beautiful spiritual parallel, really. Sometimes God 
gives a temporary rest to his people. Maybe it's a promise from his word that seems particularly suited to their case and causes hope to spring up in their souls. Or maybe it's a, a smile in his kind providence in some special way that indicates his favor towards you. Or maybe it's a, a sweet meditation about himself and his attributes or his character or his free grace salvation or some aspect of his work like we heard a few weeks ago, his intercession. Or maybe, maybe it's just a quiet resting time at the table of the Lord. And you feel a quiet peace before that yoke is put on you again. Or sometimes He just speaks to you through His preached Word. It makes that Word so fitting for your case. It seems as if God is just marinating you in His love throughout the sermon. But all of these ways of temporary rest can give encouragement and strength and hope. But this divine plowman also does more. He desires to take the yoke completely off and put on his own yoke, which is easy and light and not burdensome. As Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 puts it, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest. Not just temporary rest. Abiding rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. So what God is saying, you see, through Hosea 11, buttressed by Jesus' own words in Matthew 11, is that when you... Bring your yokes to Jesus and cry out, remove the yoke. I'm weary. I'm heavy laden. He says, I will give you rest, abiding rest in me. Ho, every one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. He that has no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. And I will give you rest. Isaiah 55. So, The beauty here is that God promises rest to the weary, to the heavy laden, to those loaded, to those yoked. He promises an abiding rest, not just a temporary rest, from the burden of sin and the burden of guilt through the cross. He releases your burden. As you look to Jesus Christ alone by grace and find your salvation holy in Him. It's like Bunyan in his character Christian in Pilgrim's Progress. The burden rolls off his back because Christ has paid for all my sins. There's an abiding rest in the Savior who's done everything that I need to have done for me. There's an abiding rest from legalism. I don't have to fulfill a checklist of rules and guidelines like the Jews even say today. They've got, you know, 613 rules they have to follow, adding from commandment to commandment in the Bible. And, and there's always a burden because there's so many you come short of. No, I, 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 
Yes, I want to live according to the law out of gratitude to God, but my obedience to the law is not what makes my salvation. I can't be saved by obeying the law. There's a relief from the burden of legalism when God gives rest in Jesus and God shows you that He's done everything that you need so that a poor sinner who rests in Him has salvation. And then there's rest. May I say it simply this way? In grace. Not only from sin and from legalism, but rest in grace. I am meek and lowly of heart. You don't have to be afraid to come to Jesus. You don't have to be afraid to open up. He's approachable. He's meek. He's lowly of heart. He says, come to me. My grace is available to you, to the greatest of sinners, to the most hell-deserving sinner sitting in this church this morning. My grace stresses free generosity through my obedience to the law and my payment for sin. I have done everything you ever need Just come and rest by faith in my person. Rest in my work. Rest through the constituent elements of faith. Knowing me, knowledge. Agreeing, ascending to the truth. And in confident trust. Just come saying, Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it. White as snow. It's all in Him. And you see, then, when you rest in Him, when He takes the yoke off of your jaws and gives you the light yoke of freedom and liberty in Christ, then you may engage in restful labor. Restful labor. You may work unto Him with joy and gladness because now you find everything in Christ. There's nothing more for you to accomplish. You can just live out of gratitude. That's a light yoke. So it's all about Jesus. Oh, you say, but I'm so unrighteous. Well, he's the all-righteous one. I feel cursed. Well, he died the accursed death as curse bearer for sinners just like you. Well, I feel like I'm under divine wrath. Well, he's the peacemaker. I feel like I'm an enemy of God. Well, in him, mercy and truth are met together. I feel foolish. Well, he has wisdom. I feel filthy. Well, he's in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. I feel poor. Well, he was rich and became poor that poor sinners may be rich in him. I feel bondage. Well, he's, he's liberty. For if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. I feel weak. Well, he's strength. I feel in need of prayer. Well, he's the praying high priest. I feel restless. Well, in him is rest. It's all in Him. You just come to Him. You rest in the love of the Father. You rest in the love of the Son. You rest in the love of the Holy Spirit. I will be to you as one who takes the yoke off. Not just temporarily. But I will take the yoke off your jaws. I will give you rest. Then you can have my light yoke. And go out and live out of gratitude for me. And I will feed you. I will nourish you. I will lay meat unto you. But that's our, that's our last thought that we'll look at at the table.
Let's now read the last part of the form for the administration of the Lord's Supper, which you can find on the second column of page 137 in back of the Psalter. Second column, 137. Let us now also consider to what end the Lord has instituted His Supper, namely, that we do it in remembrance of Him. Now, after this manner, are we to remember Him by it? First, that we are confidently persuaded in our hearts that our Lord Jesus Christ, according to the promises made to our forefathers in the Old Testament, was sent of the Father into the world, that He assumed our flesh and blood, that He bore for us the wrath of God, under which we should have perished everlastingly from the beginning of His incarnation to the end of His life upon earth, and that He hath fulfilled for us all obedience, all obedience to the divine law and righteousness, especially when the weight of our sins and the wrath of God pressed out of Him the bloody sweat in the garden, where He was bound that we might be freed from our sins, that He afterwards suffered innumerable reproaches that we might never be confounded, that He was innocently condemned to death, that we might be acquitted at the judgment seat of God, yea, that He suffered His blessed body to be nailed on the cross, that He might fix thereon the handwriting of our sins, and hath also taken upon Himself the curse due to us, that He might fill us with His blessings, and hath humbled Himself unto the deepest reproach and pains of hell, both in body and soul on the tree of the cross, when He cried out with a loud voice, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me that we might be accepted of God and never be forsaken of him? And finally, confirmed with his death and shedding of his blood, the new and eternal testament, that covenant of grace and reconciliation, when he said, it is finished. Secondly, and that we might firmly believe that we belong to this covenant of grace. The Lord Jesus Christ in His Last Supper took bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it and gave it to His disciples and said, Take, eat, this is My body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of Me. In like manner also after supper He took the cup, gave thanks, and said, Drink ye all of it. This cup is the New Testament in My blood, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of sins. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. That is, as often as ye eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you shall thereby as by a sure remembrance and pledge be admonished and assured of this my hearty love and faithfulness towards you. That whereas you should otherwise have suffered eternal death, I have given my body to the death of the cross and shed my blood for you and has certainly feed and nourish your hungry and thirsty souls with my crucified body and shed blood to everlasting life as this bread is broken before your eyes and this cup is given to you 
And you eat and drink the same with your mouth in remembrance of me. From this institution of the Holy Supper of our Lord Jesus Christ, we see that he directs our faith and trust to his perfect sacrifice. Once offered on the cross as to the only ground and foundation of our salvation, wherein is become to our hungry and thirsty souls the true meat and drink of life eternal. For by his death, he hath taken away the cause of our eternal death and misery, namely, sin, and obtained for us the quickening spirit, that we, by the same spirit who dwelleth in Christ as in the head and in us as his members, might have true communion with him and be made partakers of all his blessings of life eternal, righteousness, and glory. Besides, that we by this same Spirit may also be united as members of one body in true brotherly love, as the Holy Apostle saith, for we being many are one bread and one body, for we are all partakers of that one bread. For as out of many grains one meal is ground and one bread baked, and out of many berries being pressed together one wine floweth, and mixeth itself together, so shall we all, who by a true faith are engrafted into Christ, be altogether one body, through brotherly love, for Christ's sake, our beloved Savior, who has so exceedingly loved us, and not only show this in word, but also in very deed towards one another. Here to assist us, the Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, through His Holy Spirit. Amen. That we may obtain all this, let us humble ourselves before God, and with true faith implore His grace. Let's pray. O most merciful God and Father, we beseech Thee that Thou wilt be pleased in this supper in which we celebrate the glorious remembrance of the bitter death of Thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to work in our hearts through the Holy Spirit, that we may daily more and more with true confidence give ourselves up unto Thy Son, Jesus Christ, that our afflicted and contrite hearts through the power of the Holy Ghost may be fed and comforted with His true body and blood, yea, with Him, true God and man, that only heavenly bread. And that we may no longer live in our sins, but He in us, and we in Him, and thus truly be made partakers of the new and everlasting covenant of grace. That we may not doubt, but Thou wilt forever be our gracious Father, nevermore imputing our sins unto us, and providing us with all things necessary, as well for the body as the soul, as Thy beloved children and heirs. Grant us also thy grace that we may take up our cross cheerfully, deny ourselves, confess our Savior, and in all tribulations, with uplifted heads, expect our Lord Jesus Christ from heaven, where he will make our mortal bodies like unto his most glorious body, and take us unto him in eternity. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory 
forever. Strengthen us also by this Holy Supper in the Catholic undoubted Christian faith, whereof we make confession with our mouths and hearts, saying, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day, He rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost. I believe in Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. That we may be now fed with the true heavenly bread, Christ Jesus. Let us not cleave with our hearts to the external bread and wine, but lift them up on high in heaven, where Christ Jesus is our advocate at the right hand of His heavenly Father, whither all the articles of our faith lead us. Not doubting, but we shall as certainly be fed and refreshed in our souls through the working of the Holy Ghost with His body and blood as we receive the holy bread and wine in remembrance of Him. And I laid meat unto them. I, the divine plowman, who took the yoke from off your jaws so you could eat and put my light yoke upon you so you could rejoice in me and out of gratitude live unto me. I gave you an appetite. An appetite to eat of me. And I brought it to your mouth. I came close to you in the gospel. The word is nigh to you, even in thy mouth, that if thou shalt confess with thy heart that the Lord Jesus Christ is your only hope, then you are welcome at the table of the Lord. I laid meat unto you. I actually give it to you. I do it all. In fact, I am the meat. I am the meat, the bread of life, the water of life. He who eats of me and drinks of me has life eternal. So I welcome to the table of the Lord all those who need divine meat. We'll begin with the elderly and those who have various physical concerns need a little bit more time. Please, uh, please come forward and show forth the death of the Lord till He come. And may, may God nourish you. May He nourish you with this savory meat. A better meat than Isaac wanted from Esau. Remember Isaac spoke of savory meat that my soul loveth. Well, this is better meat than any hunter can go out and get, than any Esau can provide. This is the meat 
of God himself, Christ himself. He is the meat that he lays to us. He lays it into our mouths. He, the appetite giver, comes close and desires to lay it to our mouth. There's another 15 or 20 seats over here on the right. And and what a beautiful, what a beautiful picture this is, don't you think? He's your plowman. He gives you, he draws you. Then he gives you rest. And now, now he feeds you. He feeds you with this glorious, glorious meat. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we bow before Thee in these moments and we beg of Thee, don't just come and lay meat unto us. Don't just give us this bread, but help us to understand that as we smell it, as we taste it, as we chew it, as we digest it, that this is a sign and seal that is surely as we eat of this bread by faith in Christ, so surely He washes away all our sins and receives us and gives us that beautiful light yoke because for the weary and heavy laden, He has done everything that we may go out and serve Him out of the joy of gratitude. So bless us in these moments, we pray. And may we feed on Christ. May every person around this table banish every thought from their mind except Jesus Christ. Focus on Him and my unworthiness to receive Him, my unworthiness to have Him, yes, but how He has made Himself the meat so that we can be worthy in Him. Only in Him. Only in Him. Lord, fill us with the love of Christ. In these moments, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take and eat, as He has said, for this is My body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of Me. In remembrance of me. I want to underline that word me. The Lord's Supper is all about Jesus. Not about you. All about Jesus. Do this in remembrance of me. His person. And who is he? Well, Hebrews 4, 14, 15 says, He's the great high priest who's passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God. Let us therefore hold fast our profession. That means He's God. He's Almighty. He can help you. He's the Almighty Savior. You don't need anyone else to assist Him. He doesn't need you to assist Him. He saves you. Purely out of grace. Purely out of grace.
But then verse 15 goes on to say, For we have not a high priest, which is not touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was tempted in all points like as we are. You see, you don't only have a son of God to remember, but also a son of man, someone who's in your nature, who suffered, who died, who knows about all your sufferings, who understands you, who's bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. And he's willing, he's willing to be that perfect God-man. Remember him. And then remember him in the last three words of Hebrews 4.15. Yet without sin. Yet without sin. All those incredible words. So you, you just a bundle of sin, right? Just a bundle of sin. But he's without sin. So remember him. Remember him. That's your strength. He's the perfect almighty God. He's the understanding son of man. And on top of all of that, you see, he's sinless. So he can represent you. He doesn't have to pay for any of his own sins. So he can be your substitute. And what a comfort that is. There's nothing so comforting as this. So this is your meat. This is your meat. Son of God. Son of man. Sinless son of man. Your meat is he's exactly, he's, he's exactly what you need him to be. Like a glove fits a hand. With every finger in place. Everything about Jesus' person is exactly carved out to what you need as a poor, needy sinner to find in such a glorious Savior. I lay meat to you. The Son of God, the Son of Man, the sinless Son of Man. You may now taste and eat the meat, the bread of this glorious person, Jesus Christ, the altogether lovely one, the chief among 10,000, the white and ruddy one. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. He has said, drink ye all of it, for this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of all their sins. This do in remembrance of me. Now Jesus says, I am not only your meat indeed, but I am also your drink indeed. A meal is not complete with only meat, as precious as the meat is. You need drink. And Jesus says, I'm everything. I'm the water of life. I'm your drink as well as your meat. And he goes further 
He, he says some astonishing things, doesn't he? He says, but your real drink is not just the water, but my blood. Some people are astonished by that and they, they kind of pull back. But you see, Jesus isn't talking about drinking his blood physically. But he's talking about drinking his blood spiritually. Spiritually. And what does that mean? Well, to drink his blood spiritually is just to receive him by faith and to be in union with him and to drink out of his fullness. It's really saying, in essence, the same thing. I lay meat unto them. I'm, I'm everything. I'm, I'm your nourishment as well as your salvation. I who have saved you will keep you saved. All through my blood. My precious blood. That blood is so precious. It's, that blood can redeem you. That blood can deliver you from the curse. That blood can cleanse you. That blood... Paul says, can justify you, that blood sanctifies you, that blood does everything for you, that blood makes you fit for heaven. I lay meat unto you. I will take care of you. I will be your food and your drink. Everything you need is found in me. Do this in remembrance of me, of me, of me. It's just, it's all about him. It's all about him. There's this wonderful poem that you've, or hymn that I'm sure you've heard many times, but let me read it right now about this precious blood. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you or evil a victory win? There's wonderful power in the blood. Would you be free from your passion and pride? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Come for a cleansing to Calvary's tide. There's wonderful power in the blood. Would you be whiter, much whiter than snow? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Sin stains are lost in its life-giving flow. There's wonderful power in the blood. Would you do service? That's that light and easy yoke. Would you do service for Jesus, your King? There's power in the blood, power in the blood. Would you live daily His praises to sing? There's wonderful power in the blood. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of the Lamb. There's power, power, wonder-working power in the precious blood of the Lamb. This is the meat. It's the bread and the wine that signify and seal everything of Jesus is imputed to me when I, by grace, believe in him alone for salvation. And all my sins, all my sins, are imputed to him. And so he's saying, as you eat, as you drink, believe this. Believe that you're Your sins are washed away in the blood 
the power, wonder-working power of the blood of the Lamb. Drink abundantly, O beloved. There is room for sinners saved by grace in the table of this wonderful Lord whose blood, whose water, whose meat, whose bread, whose everything that sinners like you and I desperately need. We, we rest in Him. Him who draws us. But we don't only rest in Him. We also get nourishment from Him. We live and we die in that great and glorious nourishment. So you can you can go in the table in the in the bench right over here if you if you want to come forward you can go in the bench there and wait for the next table thank you let's pray gracious god we bow before thee again we pray visit this table with thy tender sympathetic high priestly work but also with thy work of exaltation. For thou art not only meet unto us in thy person and in thy substitutionary bloody work, but thou art also laying meat unto us through thy resurrected work, thy exalted work. Please bless that now, that we may see that thou art the resurrection and the life. And we eat and drink in anticipation that Thou wilt come again in the clouds to call us to be with Thee where Thou art forevermore. So bless this table with a felt sense of the exalted meat and drink of Jesus Christ, the One who lives forever. And in Him, we live forever as well. In Jesus' name. Amen. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take and eat as He has said, for this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. I lay meat unto you. The meat, I said, is Christ. Christ in His person, Christ in His blood, as we saw at the last table, but now Christ also in His exaltation. What a glorious thing that is. He's alive. Christianity would not have survived had He not risen from the dead. This is, resurrection is the V-Day of the church. Resurrection is a confirmation, the validation that Christianity is real. He's alive. He's at the right hand for the throne of God now. He was raised for our justification, says Paul. What a glorious thing this is. This is everything. 
He was a dead Savior. He couldn't help us. Yes, He died to save us, but He was just in the grave for three days and three nights. That's it. His soul was with God. And now He's at the Father's right hand, interceding for you every single second, dear believer. Every single second. Let it sink in. Every time you're overwhelmed, every time you're weary and heavy laden, just say to yourself, even when you're at the Lord's Supper, He's interceding for me right now. Right now. Right now. This is meat for the soul. I lay meat to them. I nourish you. I nourish you through the resurrected Christ. And He's coming again in that exaltation. His exaltation isn't done yet. He's coming again. He's going to say to you, friend, come up higher. Come up higher. And you're going to be with Him, carried on the clouds of heaven to be with Him where He is forever. When I in righteousness at last, my glorious face shall see. Then, then I shall be satisfied when I awake with Thee. Oh, what a, what a future you have, dear child of God. What a future. Let this be meet. Let His exaltation, His resurrection, His ascension, His intercession, His coming again, let it be meet for you. Eat of his, sorry, his, his food, his exaltation is overwhelmingly comforting to his people. So here's what you've got to think. My life comes through his humiliation, through his death that saved me, that gives me life. His exaltation, his life now helps me to die daily to my own righteousness, to live unto Him. So He keeps at the right hand of the Father what He's merited for me at Golgotha. And that combination, you see, gives me a full solidity, a full sense of assurance. So eat, and eat beloved, of the fullness of this exalted, this exalted Christ. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. He has said, drink ye all of it. For this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of all their sins. This do in remembrance of me. I lay meat 
unto you. He's not only our meat for justification, he's also our meat for sanctification. 1 Corinthians 1.30 He is of God in Christ Jesus, made unto you wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification and redemption. And so how does that work? Well, it works this way. You and I can do nothing without Jesus. So we're dependent on him for all our sanctification. He has said, he has said, it is my, it is my meat and drink, my meat and drink, to do my Father's will. So he obeys his Father perfectly. And out of his meat and drink to do his Father's will, he makes us desirous to do his will. So our obedience flows out of his obedience. And that is meat for us. Because if it depended on us, we would fail again and again. And there'd be no security. But now you see, it's his, it's his meat and drink to do his Father's will. So he is the meat... But he also eats, but he eats out of obedience. And we then express our obedience out of gratitude to him. And when we obey him and do his will and follow his way with our totality of our lives, and we want to live solely Dale Gloria, completely to him, this is meat for our soul. He, he sweetly communes with us. We, we taste intimacy with him. He, he rewards us for the very faith he plants in us and for the very sanctification he gives to us. He delights when his people walk at the king's highway of holiness. So this is our meat flowing out of his meat. To live unto Him. This is how we, this is our daily diet. I want to live to Him today. I want to live to Him tomorrow. I want to live to Him every day. This is our meat. Drink, beloved, of His fullness, who says, It is my meat and drink to do my Father's, my Father's will. The divine plowman who draws sinners to himself calls all those who find their life in him to come and show forth his death till he come because he desires to lay, to lay meat unto you and to encourage you with, with himself for he is meat indeed and drink Indeed, he is altogether lovely. There is none, no, none like, like unto him.
are definitely going to need a fourth table. So there's two chairs here. The rest of you, if you can just go in the first pew or the second pew, we will have a separate table. Thank you. Let's pray. O glorious, ever-faithful God, we bow before Thee in these moments. Please come and visit us now. Pour out Thy Holy Spirit. Lay meat to us. Savory meat. Even such as the souls of Thy people love. Fill us with the good things of Thyself. In Jesus' name, Amen. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take and eat as he has said, for this is my body broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Now, when Jesus Christ is our meat, and we've put our all in Him, all our faith in Him, and His promises, His promises that are faithful, yea and amen in Christ Jesus, we may find assurance of faith. An assurance of faith is like a solid meal. Assurance of faith gives us security, and we eat with joy of the promises of the Word of God. And that's the fruit of this meat is that we grow and grow in conviction that He is mine and I am His. And we grow into this full assurance of faith by which we may live the Christian life much more with zeal and dedication to God than we can when we don't have that assurance. And that's exactly what Jesus wants to do in the Lord's Supper. He wants to be our meat in order that we would grow and be assured. You heard that in the Lord's Supper form several times, that we might be assured of our salvation in Him. And we get that assurance from His promises. And we get it from the inward evidences of grace. Our own conscience bears us witness Our own conscience declares to us that we are His and He is ours because we do love the brethren, because we we, we do hate sin. We we do hunger and thirst after righteousness. We, We do know something of these marks of grace. And so we cannot deny anymore that we're children of God and that we want to live out of that assurance. So we get assurance from the promises of Christ we get it from the inward evidences of grace. And, and we get it also from the direct testimony of the Holy Spirit, taking the Word and applying it to our hearts. And how precious that is. So that we know in whom we have believed. And when, when He leaves meat to us, you see, we, we, want, we want more and more of that assurance. The more, the better. The more of all three kinds, the better. Lord, grow my assurance. 
We need to know assurance. We need to grow in assurance. And there's no limit to the growth. Grow me more. Let me be more and more filled with this glorious meat of Christ so that I am in Him and He is in me. And I can cry out with Thomas, my Lord and my God, He is all my salvation. For me to live is Christ and to, and to die is gain. I lay meat to you by assuring you of my, my love. Well, eat. Trust Him to be your assurance, to be your Savior, your all in, in all. The cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. He has said, drink ye all of it, for this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you and for many for the remission of all their sins. This do in remembrance of me. I lay meat unto you. Yet a further aspect of this meat is not only my justification, my sanctification, my assurance, but now also my perseverance to the end. How can you persevere to the end when you're so weak and so frail and so inconsistent? Well, Jesus said, no man shall pluck you out of my hand. It said of Jesus, knowing all things that should come upon him, he went forth to the end. To the end. Never, 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 never turning his back on his people. Never flinching. Never saying, I won't go to Jerusalem. I won't suffer. I won't die. I can't do it, Father. No, even when he said, if this cup can pass from me, oh, let it pass from me. But no, no, the father said, you must drink it all, my son. And he drank it all. He persevered so that you could persevere. This is your meat. This is your meat. He won't forsake the works of his own hands. You'll be kept safe. Kept safe. All the way to the end. It's sure because He is sure. Because His promises are sure. So your whole salvation, from the moment you were born again, the moment you were born again, to the very dying breath you take, it's all sure. You will persevere because He persevered. And His work, His work will never be in vain. So he lays meat to you in these moments that will last forever. So rest and be nourished by his perseverance.
and drink. Drink of his fullness. The wine that you drink symbolizes his blood. And that blood is the very ground of your perseverance. In fact, in Greek, it says it five times. Five times. I will never, 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 never forsake you. It, bre- it breaks the boundaries of Greek grammar. There's no way to translate it. Greek grammar, you can't use a double, more than a double negative or double positive. Best way to translate it, I suppose, is I will never, no, never, no, never forsake you. Ever. To forsake you, he would fail as a mediator if you're a believer. His whole mission would be lost if there was one empty chair in heaven. Father, here am I and all those whom thou hast given me. It's you if you're a believer. There's a place for you there. He cannot let you go. That's meat. That's meat for your soul. That's nourishment. Go out with that nourishment back into the world, back to your job, back to your family, and uh, feel that the, the yoke is taken off. And now you have a light and easy yoke just to live out of gratitude to Him who will keep you all the way to the end. Live unto Christ. He's going to help you. You're facing immediate burdens, aren't you? You're facing past burdens. You don't know what next week is going to bring. You've got fears. Trust Him. Trust Him. He will help you through. And the worst thing that can happen to us, we think, is that we die. But if we're believers, (laughs) it's the best thing that could ever happen to you, really. To go be with the Lord forever. And have no more yokes. At all. Forever freed from sin, from myself, from Satan, and Christ. All in all, forever and ever and ever. It's it's almost too good to be true, isn't it? But it is true. Cling to it. I will never, 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 never forsake you. Let it be meat to you. What mighty sum paid all my debt when I, a bondman, stood? And has my soul at freedom set? Tis Jesus' precious blood. What stream is that which sweeps away my sins just like a flood? Nor lets one guilty blemish stay? Tis Jesus' precious blood. What voice is that which speaks for me in heaven's high court for good? And from the curse has set me free. Tis Jesus' precious blood. What theme my soul shall best employ. Thy harp before thy God. And make all heaven to ring with joy. Tis Jesus' precious blood. Those are welcome. Who find their all in Jesus' precious blood. You're welcome to come to this fourth table now.
Are there any others who can't live on your own righteousness? But you need the righteousness of Christ. Please, don't hold back and endanger your own soul. Feed on the meat that is designed for exactly the kind of sinner you are. It is Jesus' precious blood. Let's pray. Gracious God, we bow once more and pray once more. Come and help us. Lay meat to us. Meat that will endure to the end. And meat that we'll we'll feed on spiritually forever in heaven. Oh, graciously be near to us now. And help us in all things. And let us feed on thyself. In Jesus' name, amen. The bread which we break is the communion of the body of Christ. Take and eat as he has said, for this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Well, we've traveled now in the last point of this sermon from Jesus himself to his blood to his exaltation, then to our need for obedience, to assurance of faith, to perseverance. And now we need to end in heaven, don't we? This meat, this meat of Jesus won't just go through this life. We will feast on him forever in glory. This is the beauty. This is the beauty of heaven. Two things about heaven that are very, very beautiful. One is what we, what we leave behind on earth. All our sin. All our sin will be left behind. All our infirmities. All the struggles. All the temptations. All the temptations to be tempted. All the buffetings of Satan. All the enticements of the world. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eye. The pride of life. It's all left behind. It's done. The battle's over. The battle's over. And what a joy that is. So, this symbolizes the body of Christ, and through Christ, he gains a total victory forever. We will be with him, sin free, in Emmanuel's land. All good, walled in, all evil, walled out. And all dominion, honor, power, and glory shall be to the Lamb. All beloved, eat of his fullness, remembering what you'll leave behind.
cup of blessing which we bless is the communion of the blood of Christ. He has said, drink ye all of it. For this cup is the New Testament in my blood, shed for you and for many, for the remission of all their sins. This do in remembrance of me. I lay meat unto you. Also as a preacher of the gospel, as an ambassador of Christ, in the name of my Savior, my Lord, I lay meat to you. And the final meat I lay to you is not just what you'll leave behind, but what you'll receive. What you'll receive in heaven through this glorious Savior. You'll be with him. You'll never have to look away from him again. He will be high and lifted up, says Revelation 7, on the throne. And all the redeemed shall be around him. And every eye shall gaze upon him. Gaze upon him. You don't have to look away. You don't have to be embarrassed anymore. He will see no sin in you. No sin in his Israel. No transgression in his Jacob. You'll be perfect. You'll be as holy as he will be holy. And you'll worship him perfectly without any infirmity forever and ever. You'll be basking in his smile. You'll be bathing in his glory. You'll be feasting in the meat of his everlasting fullness, ever-growing and cumulative knowledge about Jesus. And through him, the triune God, you know the Father better and better, the Son better and better, the Holy Spirit better and better, forever. Your glass will always be full, but the capacity will keep expanding. It'll be full as a 20-ounce tumbler, full as a 24-ounce tumbler, full as a 64-ounce tumbler, Full, full in heaven forever of fullness, forever meat laid unto you. You'll be nourished in fullness without any imperfection. No bad calories in heaven. Nothing to do you any damage. All just the fullness of Christ and through him the triune God. There'll be perfect worship Perfect worship. Isn't that amazing? Forever. And you'll never get tired of one minute of it. Glory be to the Lamb. And the communion of the saints. Oh, drink, beloved. Drink of the fullness of Christ and the fullness of of glory. Take a peek over the wall. Just a little peek. Heaven is a world of perfect love. Perfect love. Perfect love. Everyone will agree on everything. Every saint will love every other saint perfectly. There will be no infirmity to anyone. No character flaws. Everyone will be made perfect. You will be made perfect and complete. I will lay meat unto them forever. Praise God. Praise God. Beloved in the Lord, since the Lord hath now fed our souls at this table, let us therefore 
Jointly praise his holy name with thanksgiving. And everyone say in his heart thus, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities. Who healeth all thy diseases. Who redeemeth thy life from destruction. Who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and plenteous in mercy. He hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is His mercy towards them that fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far hath He removed our transgressions from us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Who hath not spared his own son, but delivered him up for us all, and given us all things with him. Therefore, God commendeth therewith his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified in his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by His life. Therefore shall my mouth and heart show forth the praise of the Lord from this time forth forevermore. Amen. Let's close with thanksgiving. O Almighty, merciful God and Father, We render thee most humble and hearty thanks that thou hast of thy infinite mercy given us thine only begotten Son for a mediator and a sacrifice for our sins and to be our meat and drink unto life eternal and that thou givest us lively faith whereby we are made partakers of such great benefits. Thou hast also been pleased that thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, should institute and ordain his holy supper for the confirmation of the same. Grant, we beseech thee, O faithful God and Father, that through the operation of thy Holy Spirit, the commemoration of the death of our Lord Jesus Christ, may tend to the daily increase of our faith and saving fellowship with him, through Jesus Christ thy Son, in whose name we conclude our prayers, saying, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.